talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong. This week, Kyle's on a break. Mitch is not here either, but I'm very excited to welcome in very special guest, principal of Rockridge High School and president of the IHSA Board of Directors, Katie Hassan. Katie, welcome to View from the West. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Appreciate uh, your, your uh, coverage of, of this side of the state. Well, Rockridge gives us plenty to talk about year in and year out. You guys are always in the mix. We'll jump right in to the topic that kind of had everybody talking in the offseason when it comes to IHSA football. It was the 1 through 32 seating for classes 1A through 6A. 7A and 8A already do 1 through 32. They've had that established for quite a while now. 1 through 6 have always divided 16 and 16, the north and the south. Take me back in February when the board approved the 1 through 32 and um, I guess before we even start in February, where did the conversation start? Because it kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere for, you know, people like me who hadn't been in some of these meetings. It had been long since discussed, but where did this conversation get serious? Yeah, that came to us, um, meaning the board, as a, as a proposal um, that came through the advisory committee process. Um, that starts with a group of coaches and officials um, specifically talking football, the football advisory committee. Um, then it was vetted through uh, the Athletic Administrators Advisory Committee and finally through the IHSA staff uh, in the office. Um, and then it came to us as a board um, as what we call a non-consent item, um, an item that we were asked to consider, um, but an item that was not fully supported at all three of those previous levels. Um, and so, uh, you know, each, each cycle, uh, each sport cycles throughout the year um, after each season, then we consider um, these advisory committee recommendations. Um, and the idea of seating one through 32 came to us um, for discussion at that point. In February, when it was, when it went through, you had mentioned that, that you thought it was a good idea. You approved it. What do you like about it? What did you like about it at the time? Well, I like it. And, and yes, I, you know, I, I, I definitely have been a supporter of this. Um, you know, where we are at Rock Ridge, we travel everywhere, um, you know, throughout our conference play, uh, in my tenure, my first year at Rock Ridge, we were still in the old Olympic Conference. Um, then we went into the West Central Conference, and now we're in the Three Rivers Conference. Um, and in all cases, you know, from Rock Ridge to anywhere is, is, a, is a hall, um, just because of where we are geographically. You know, we have our, our nearby neighbors of Mercer County and Orion and Sherrard, um, Orion and Sherrard, of which are, that are in our conference. Um, you know, but other than that, it's, you know, it's going to be, you know, 30, 40 minutes minimum. Um, you know, for us to get to an opponent. And when we talk football scheduling, it's obviously farther than that. Um, and, and in our playoff history, at, at, in the time that I've been at Rock Ridge, you know, we've had some pretty hefty um, first round trips, uh, even, even with the, um, the North-South pairing. Uh, more recently, you know, we traveled across the state to Clifton Central a few years ago. Um, last year, we were at Downs Tri-Valley, which was uh, almost two and a half hours from Rock Ridge. Um, so, you know, I guess my mantra has always been, you know, we'll travel wherever. Um, we're proud of our team. Uh, we feel we've got a, a good following um, and, and we're willing to travel to, to face that good playoff competition. And so, so, yes, initially I was definitely in favor of the one through 32. Um, you know, I felt that 
um, you know, having that, that true seeding um, in, in our state tournament for football and our state playoffs was, was something that was valuable. Um, and that, you know, traveling on a Friday night or a Saturday, you know, took away those, those issues that as a school administrator, I'd be concerned about, you know, obviously I don't want to see full statewide seeding in other sports like volleyball or basketball or softball, uh, because they have weeknight games. Um, and you know, okay, if you're going to travel for, you know, a boys basketball sectional, for example, on a Tuesday night to Mendota, they're in our conference, um, you know, that's where we were this year. Uh, we've traveled to Olympia, we've traveled to Farmington, you know, we've had some longer trips, um, you know, for those events, but, but that's farther down the line, your regional level, um, should not be that way in those sports, but, but we felt as a board, uh, there was enough consensus that, um, that we felt that, um, this was something we wanted to take a look at and, and, and explore and, and frankly, give it a shot and see, see how it played out. Uh, we had some data at that point in time. Um, Sam Knox at the, at the IHSA office, who's the football administrator, had, had pulled together some preliminary data that we took a look at of, you know, what if. Um, but honestly, we didn't have a lot of full data. And, and we made that decision. And even after making that decision in February, we had additional discussions at our board meetings uh, in March and April saying, all right, wait a minute here. Um, and, and we did gather some additional information that, that truly took a look at what those distances would be hypothetically. And, and Sam and, and Craig and, and the staff at the office um, for our June meeting, in fact, pulled together some really specific data um, that, that truly showed some, some specifics. They took, they took last year's playoffs, they jumped back to the 2019 playoffs, and I think they might have even jumped back a little bit farther, like 15 or 16, um, and, and showed what that actual travel would be. Um, and, and so then in June, obviously that coupled, the, the greater information coupled with, unfortunately, the situation that we're in right now with the high gas prices, the high fuel prices, um, we realized that we couldn't, we couldn't put that burden on schools um, for that excessive travel. Uh, and that's why we made the decision in June to, to go back on that February decision um, and reverse it and go back to the, the one through 16 North and South. Yeah, I was going to say that was one of my questions is ultimately a lot of this decision to reverse is, is a victim of is gas prices. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's a, it's a, you know, harsh reality that that that's what it comes down to. But I, I think that's, you know, that that's what the decision came to, right? I mean, that, it was gas prices at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. That's and, and that was in my statement. I know that Matt Troja put out following the board meeting, um, you know, was that while I still support the idea of the one through 32 right now, it's not fiscally responsible. Um, it, it's not fiscally responsible for schools um, and it's not fiscally responsible for the organization. Um, you know, the IHSA pays mileage allowances to those traveling schools. Um, there's also a split of the gate. Um, and, and we feel that with those gas prices, even for our fans and our families, um, there may be fewer that would travel to a farther away game, which would then affect gate prices, which would affect that net income that comes back to the IHSA that helps keep us afloat. Um, you know, we've worked hard, um, Craig and his staff and our, our treasurer, uh, Scott Adrian, and our, and our uh, bookkeeper in the office, uh, Tammy Craig, have worked extremely hard. Um, to get our budget back where it needs to be um, as an organization as we come out of COVID and the loss of revenue that happened when we couldn't have our state tournaments during COVID. Um, and so obviously we've got to be fiscally aware of, of keeping things on track for that recovery and don't want to take steps backwards. 
Yeah. I think, um, you know, looking at the one through 32 from people in our area, from the Western side of the state, it doesn't take much to convince somebody when you look back at Alito versus Rockridge in a state championship game, and you get a smile on your face because you're very familiar with that game. But a game like that doesn't necessarily happen in a one through 16 scenario. No. Was there discussions, you know, amongst you and board members and other coaches that this would be a huge step for that competitive nature of knowing that we're getting the truly the best two teams in the end, hopefully with a one through 32 seating. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the, the phrase that always comes up in our discussions is, is, is the idea that football is a different animal um, from our other sports. Um, you know, the IHSA has the geographic principle in its policies um, to keep our tournaments um, geographically balanced, not necessarily um, seating balanced. You know, we don't do an NCAA uh, March Madness seating where, you know, Penn State ends up in the West region or, you know, or Duke ends up in the, you know, in the West region of an NCAA tournament, which makes, doesn't make a whole lot of sense geographically, but seating wise, it does. Um, you know, our, our tournaments are, you know, especially in the sports other than football, follow that geographic principle, um, which is why we look at our, at our regionals and seeding our subsectionals uh, in those other, other major sports. Um, you know, yes, it would, it, going back to a one through 32 would bring back, a, you know, like you said, the, the Alito uh, Rockridge. I have multiple ties to that. Neither, neither Tom nor I, my husband or I were at either one of those schools when that happened, but we have connections. Uh, Tom actually got to Alito the year after that. He started okay. in Alito in 99. Um, but he was at that 98 game on the sideline with a friend that was, that was at the game and, and was friends with, with uh, Coach Welter uh, prior to that. And, and uh, um, so, yeah, that, uh, then obviously the Rockridge folks uh, have not so fond memories of that, of that game. Yeah. Um, but, but definitely part of our history and, and, uh, and, you know, it's something that did happen because of that one through 32. But, but again, you know, as you said, you know, those of us in, in this part of the state um, are very familiar with that or very used to that. Um, you know, I think at, at our level in the, in, the, in the 2A and even looking, you know, up to three and down to one, um, I think we've got a good concentration of schools here in this part of the state um, that, would, that would help with that geographic balance. Um, but, you know, there are some concerns from the southern part of the state. And, and, and uh, Todd Rogers, our board member um, from down at Carterville, you know, did raise some, some very serious concerns, you know, of, of what that would impact, you know, his school and, and his community if, if all the way down to Carterville had to travel up to, you know, Forreston or, you know, Ottawa Marquette or, or Byron, you know, or, or somewhere that would, that would make a six or seven hour trip from down to that part of the state. And that, that does have some significant concerns. So, you know, as we, as we re-examine this, and I know we'll revisit this, you know, some of the things that we'll take a look at is, you know, do we put some caveats or some parameters to say that, you know, we will go one through 32 if we see that it plays out with X number of trips that won't be beyond a certain distance. Um, if the majority of them would stay within a certain radius, um, but, and that we would allow, you know, whatever it would be, one, two, five, I don't know what that number would be, um, trips of, of over a certain number of miles. Um, you know, that's, that's something that we would, we would take a look at. And I, I believe the existing, even the one through 16 has the caveat that, that if there's a certain number of trips uh, um, over, I think it's 150 miles, then they would divide it into quadrants of eight. 
Okay. Um, so I would envision that, you know, going forward, we put some kind of language in place that would put some of those parameters um, so as not to have a bunch of very lengthy road trips um, and, and determine the seating based on that. Has there ever been discussion of neutral sites for may, maybe more importantly later in the tournament? Um, I know on the Iowa side, they do both the semifinals and the state tournament at the Unidome. Uh, weather is part of that factor too, um, which Illinois could benefit some years from that. I but... wish somebody would build a nice dome <laughs> in Illinois. <laughs> there you go. Has there ever been discussion of neutral site, whether it was at a college or just somewhere meeting in the middle and you could come to that consensus? It, it Logistically, it'd have to come together pretty quick, I suppose, when you're talking week by week. Yeah, that's not something that's come to our um, to our attention. There are some parameters, um, you know, where a, a, a neutral site as you said, on short notice can be figured out most recently that affected Rock Ridge. Um, you know, our uh, softball sectional was at Tremont, um, but the championship teams were Erie Prophetstown against Rock Ridge. Um, and, and Tremont allowed us, allowed the schools to move it back closer to the Quad City area. And Moline was willing to be a host. And we played that sectional championship at Moline High School. Um, you know, that happens occasionally. Um, I know Rock Island and Moline and UT have experienced that in some of their, um, you know, basketball and, and volleyball uh, situations where um, instead of having to travel to, you know, a long distance, they play a neutral site. I think that would have some logistical issues in, in, in football to deal with, but, uh, you know, that's not something that's come to us formally, no. Okay. So what's the process moving forward? How, how long do we anticipate, um, you know, before there's a chance it's back, you know, approved or the discussion is once again, you know, really serious? Well, I think, uh, you know, I think obviously the decision has been made for the 2022 um, fall season. Um, You know, we have a lot of data now from those trips um, to continue to examine. Obviously, we're going to keep an eye on the economy and, and fuel prices. And, you know, if they hopefully get back to a more manageable level, then that's something we can talk about and reconsider. Um, I would anticipate, you know, that football advisory committee after the season will again be talking about, you know, what parameters would they recommend to us to put in place. Um, So, you know, when it comes back in February again, I would anticipate that we would be um, having some continued discussion about what that'll look like going forward with those factors in play. Well, Well, we'll pivot from the playoff format structure to state championships. Where are we at in the process of, um, Who's going to be hosting a state championship in, I guess, 2023 and moving forward? Um, those uh, that bid process, that RFP process is in play uh, right now. Um, I believe early fall is when the deadline is for those pr- uh, proposals to be submitted. Um, I know it was mentioned at our June meeting um, that a decision won't be made until after, won't be announced until after um, the current um, football season is, is complete. So look for a December, January announcement for that. Okay. Um, I don't know, you know how much you can tell me, but is there any discussion of splitting it up and doing you know, separate locations for smaller schools and then a location for bigger schools? Has that ever been discussed? No, that, none of the proposals have, that have been made to us have, have, had, that, uh, have had that in play. Um, you know, I know something like baseball, for example, is one that I'm thinking of where, uh, the 1A, 2A state tournaments at Dozer Park in Peoria and 3A, 4As up in Joliet. Um, that hasn't been something that's been put forward in any of the proposals for football. Yeah. I always wonder, I'm a graduate of Southern Illinois University and they just built 
a new stadium several years ago, but it's, it's fairly recent and it looks great. And it seems like it would be a perfect fit if not for location. I, right. You know, I've had a lot of discussions with people about, man, it looks great down there and it would fit everyone perfectly, but it's, that's a long haul. That, not that exactly a, a neutral lo- or a centralized location. So exactly. Exactly. Well, let's uh, let's keep talking football, but we'll move into eight man football. Where how the discussion's gone with uh, making the eight man a fully sanctioned IHSA sport? Uh, we had some more discussions in June um, about that happening. Um, I think it's definitely on the horizon, um, but there's there's still some some issues and some logistics uh, to be worked out. Um, you know, we we kind of charged uh, Sam Knox with with some tasks in terms of finding out some more information on what it would look like. Um, you know, I think the general consensus is, is that we see eight man as, as definitely something that's going to come under the IHSA umbrella fairly soon, whether that's obviously it's not this year, whether that's next year or the year after, I don't know what a specific timeline will be. Um, but we definitely see that, that the interest in it is growing. Um, the fact that it's, um, allowing a lot of small schools to continue fielding football teams. Um, is a is a positive that kids are still being able to participate Um, and and so we're but we've got to work out some details and figure out exactly what that looks like as it um, folds into our IHSA playoffs things like um, you know what's the magic number of numbers of teams um, that need to participate how many will qualify for the playoffs? What was, you know, what would their playoff structure be? Currently, they qualify 16 for the playoffs, so we class, uh, qualify 32 um, at the IHSA level. Um, so, you know, figuring out those logistics and and uh, expectations, um, you know, the timing of their their playoffs. Um, would the eight man become a ninth class in Illinois, or would it replace a class? You know, would we condense down to seven classes of 11 player and then the eighth class be eight, you know, the eight man football? You know, those are those are questions that still remain to be answered um, that we're going to have to figure out before we make a final decision. Do you have a sense, you know, kind of piggybacking off that, do you have a sense long term in terms of both 11 man and eight man football? Do you see benefits one way or the other of long term schools co-oping and staying 11 man? Or if they feel that two separate schools can do eight man, do you have a sense either way of whether something's better or worse? Well, I, I think I, I think just I don't know if you want to say historically, uh, emotionally, um, yeah. traditionally, you know, the idea of playing for your school, um, you know, still holds a special place in my heart. Um, you know, I grew up in Cambridge and Cambridge has, has for quite a few years co-opt with Alwood to form Ridgewood. Um, I'm still a Cambridge Viking and always will be, you know, and, and, you know, would love to see that maroon and white come back. I don't know if it ever will. Um, but, you know, just for that example, um, you know, the, the opportunity to still have that individual school pride and that individual community pride, I think is a, is a cool thing and an important thing. Um, for many communities and small towns and small schools. Um, so, so I think that piece emotionally for me um, w- would like to see those, those smaller schools, uh, you know, field their own eight man team rather than co-op. Um, and that's one of the other issues that we have to have to determine some parameters on. What are the limits and the restrictions on eight player football? Um, you know, 
can a you know can a co-op exist and play eight man? And if so, how big can they be? Do you base it on roster size? Do you base it on enrollment size? Um, because one of the factors that's that's starting to come in play is we have a lot of these um, we have a lot of small schools in Chicago, um, Chicago Public League that are unable to field eleven man football teams, um, but maybe would be able to to enter the eight man game. Um, but what's their enrollment? Are they 400 kids, you know, and right now that's over the limit that that is established uh, for the eight player game. Um, so we're going to have to figure out some of those things. You know, the other the other flip side of that is, um, you know, is it is it is it going to become a competitive issue? Um, is it going to be um, is it going to be an issue where a team, a school that's big enough to field an eight uh, an 11 man team? but sees a competitive advantage to playing eight man, they go eight man and then our kids losing out on opportunities and is, is there a competitive balance issue? So all of those things are things that are gonna have to be worked out before we make a final decision. Well, one thing I've learned through this podcast is that Sam Knox must be the hardest working man in IHSA <laughs> football, because every time I ask you a question, you say, we had him look into it, so. Yep, yep, he <laughs> sure is, he sure is. He's a great asset to the, to the team, to the organization. Great. Well, Katie, before I let you go, we'll do our, uh, you know, our two minute drill here. We got a couple questions for you. The best high school football game you've ever witnessed. We'll oh, say, wow. we'll say you were there and we'll, we'll say you had to be there in person. How about that? Had to be there in person. It's gotta be the, the Alito versus Carthage state championship 41 40 in overtime. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one. Okay. Yep. That's a great one. Unbelievable yep. game. Unbelievable. Uh, it's, it's on YouTube. I think if you go find it, it's amazing. Yep. Yep. Now, if it's not rock Ridge, who's your favorite uniform? Ooh, who's your favorite uniform? Yeah. I know you're big on the uni that we are, um, we are here. So, uh, wow. That one's a tough one. That one's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I, I gotta go. <laughs> I, I got to go back in time and go back to the traditional Cambridge Vikings, you know, maroon jerseys, gold pants, white helmets. You know, that was classic. That was a great, they had a great look. I was going to say, I would, I would allow that answer because you'd already mentioned Cambridge. <laughs> so we'll go back in time and give that one. Cause on a Saturday afternoon when they're playing in that bowl on a, on a sunny Saturday in the playoffs, that was you a bet. great place to watch football. They homecoming. Really good. homecoming was always on Saturday as well. That's true. That's true. And I think they've kept that up. They, I've yep. gone to a couple since they've co-op. So Anyway, well, Katie, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This was great. So uh, we'll obviously be talking plenty of Rockridge throughout the, uh, the football season. And when do, you, when do you get busy again? Or are you always busy? Always busy. Always busy. <laughs> Ramping up. Yep, always busy. Getting, getting ready for a new school year when I came back after the 4th of July holiday. Now it's shifting to that to-do list of stuff that's got to get ready for the, for the new school year. Um, obviously fall practices start August 8th and teachers come back on the 15th kids start the 17th so it's it's going to ramp up quickly well thank you so much Katie it's been great all right thanks for having me Greg that'll do it for this week's episode of view from the west thank you so much for listening I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week you can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.